0: So, now we're going to talk a little bit more about politics um, and a new site um, that is started by one of the guys who started Politico. Um, He has a new site. It was announced today in a story in Vanity Fair called Axios. Is that correct? Axios. Axios, whatever. Okay. um, (laughs) So, come on up. It's Jim Vandehay. So,
1: great! I get to follow Janine, and then I get interviewed by a pit no. bull Good. I was think, a pitfall. Thank yeah. you. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I, I take that as a compliment. Um, oh, I well, know you do. All right. Why don't I just start right off then? <laughs> uh, if yeah. you want me to behave like that, I certainly will not I disappoint ask you. I didn't you to behave that way. I just so, know how you so behave. So this is a new cut. Co- let's just—it's called. Explain the name of this thing that you've got. You have left Politico. For Correct. those who have not tuned in to the Jim Vanderhey soap opera, he left. He started. He soap left opera. the soap opera. Wa- it's oh. like a
1: beautiful story, right? Well, the
0: Telemundo soap opera kind of thing. Okay. So you left the Washington Post. You started Politico, which was a big deal. Uh, How many years ago was that? A decade. A decade ago, exactly, which was, you were way out front of everyone pioneering the idea of this uh, high-twitch, fast-move, news-focused site um, that was on lots of platforms. Um, You leave Politico last year, right? Correct? Correct. Uh, Um,
1: Earlier this year.
0: Earlier this year, um, but announced it before that, and have now launched this new thing. Explain the name of it and what what it is from what I can tell. And I'm going to read a quote that you said that I, I want you to translate. Well,
1: you're going to tease me because I don't want to talk a ton about it, but right. now I'm going to, you're going to make me... But here you um, are. The I'm here, stage. I'm here. Okay. No, 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 I'm happy to be here. So axius it means worthy. It's a Greek word for worthy, meaning we only want to surface content that we think is worthy of your time okay. uh, and your attention. And it was the name that came out after about six months of going through the pain in the ass of uh, choosing a yep. name. Uh, yep. I like it. I like the ambition uh, of the name and to understand like what we're up to. I do think you have to go back to the post. So we've known each other for a while, but mm-hmm. when I was a reporter for most of my life. I covered the presidency for the post and for the journal and thought that's what I would do my whole life. <clears throat> Around '06. You could kind of tell like the industry was probably screwed and i got nervous and i got excited saying like "Boy, i think there's ways that we could fix this and at the time the problem that we needed to solve was that most media companies weren't even paying attention to the internet they weren't taking advantage of cable tv so there was no velocity there was no voice everything was written kind of in a boring i think inefficient way and we thought let's go in with the use of overwhelming force and try to change Political coverage and at the time, people thought we were nuts, but the theory of the case turned out to be right. You know, if you you, get...
0: But you invented the post, which had actually pioneered a lot of more voicey mm. under Ben Bradley. I was there too. I, yeah. I started delivering mail at the Washington Post. Um, probably, probably delivered, good at that, delivered right? your mail. Probably, mouth, probably. Yeah. Um, I was really good at it. Um, yeah. So you, but it had a voiciness. It did have more than mm. other places under Ben Bradley. Certainly the style section. They covered parties and things like that. So they were sort of in that genre, but they were also caught up in the years you were talking about. They were, were separate. They were separate
1: companies. The, right. Literally the internet side of the Washington Post was on the other side of the river. Right. Nobody ever went over there. I ventured right. over there one time and people thought I was an alien. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because at that time it seems insane right now, but at the time you could already tell that more people were consuming your content online, but you grew up believing I want to write for a newspaper. Right. And so our theory was like, let's take advantage of this. Let's get really smart people, take the New York Yankees approach to journalism, hire the best people, and having been in the business, we kind of knew who was good and who wasn't good, and hook them up to the internet, get them on cable TV, and let's see if we couldn't create a real brand. And while well, we screwed a lot of stuff up. The fundamental assumptions were right that the market opportunity was there that if you built it you could build a business around mm-hmm. it and so during that period i went from being a journalist to becoming obsessed with how do you create a, a scalable durable media company because i worry i'm very scared this last election is another reminder i'm very worried that there aren't that many business models that can sustain it and so to me that's what i'm going to dedicate the bulk of my life to until we, we we can't get it right, and I, mm-hmm. believe we, I believe we can get it right. And we learned a ton in that process. In the ton.
0: political process. Now, you, didn't in the have, political you process. did not have the Post fund it. You went to them, correct? Yes. And they declined?
1: No, at the time. No, and to, to Don Graham's credit, he came back, and they said, listen, we don't understand what you're talking about, but you seem really hopped up, and we'll do it. But <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what it is. right. But by that point, we had decided, no, you, it would be very hard to do it within an institution. And again, like there's some VCs in the, in the room. Like I didn't even know what venture capital was. When we went out to ask for people, I was like, what? I only get enough funding for a year? Like I'm not going to do that. I've got mm-hmm. one of the coolest jobs in journalism. And so we ended up hooking up with Robert Albritton, who liked the idea, and said, listen, I got a ton of money, and I'll back all of you guys. So we had a huge runway. We were able to hire a big enough staff. And it took off... Quickly. Like, we never, there was, other than the first couple of months, there was never a moment where we thought, ah, oh, this might not be successful. It was, it was pretty successful.
0: And what happened then? You, obviously, you were one of the first. You were in sort of the Huffington yep. Post class. Everybody was sort of coming up, a whole bunch of them. Um, all about
1: the same time. Yeah. All about
0: uh, Us, too, at all, yep, yep. all things D. Um, what, what happened there? What occurred to not, to not make this a bigger thing? You had done things like Pro, which yep. was an early subscription business, essentially. Yep. Um, you had expanded to Europe. Correct. You had done all kinds of, you started to do events. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what happened there? Because you and I had dinner with with It was Alder. an amazing,
1: it's, it is an amazing company. I think if you look at the companies over the last decade in terms of a, sc- uh, a scalable, durable model, I think it's the best. I think it, we proved that you could scale it in Europe. We're moving it into states. And so, and we got to what I think is Nirvana, 50-50, getting about half of your money. From subscription revenue and half of it from advertising, which to me feels like a very healthy company. By the time we left, it was about 450 people, so that's a pretty big mm-hmm. news organization right. that continues to thrive even after we left. I think what I think your question is like, then why leave that? Right. Because I'm a we're pretty ambitious people, and I wanted to try to own something on my own. Like there's this great line yep. from the Pacino. Uh, Movie, The Heat, where he's like, I want to be on the edge. I got to stay sharp on the edge where I got to be. Like, I'm 45 and I want to keep pushing myself so to what, try to start something on my own. Are
0: you, are you correctly telling me you didn't own a piece of, of Politico?
1: We had, we had like, it's been out there, we had like some kind of ownership, but we, not, we were not owners. Robert was a sole owner of was a the sole
0: company. owner, and so had and the same. And we
1: gladly signed up for that because at the time, I had two little kids, like, I didn't want to take the risk of like, going to venture capital, so we were totally happy doing that and had a great run and did very well. I'm doing very well uh, from that, but ownership to me is not, I don't, to be honest, I don't care that much about money. I grew up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I'm not a big money guy. But the, uh, what I care about is like ownership to me is like the culture. It's how do you build a company? How right. do you run it? Who makes the decisions? In this industry, if you're not changing your strategy almost every three to six months, you're screwed. And you have to have a culture of the type of people that like, sort of think like you, work like you, are agile, can move, and believe in the cause. And each and every day want to go out and try to crush the competition. And that's, that requires a certain sort of engineering of the culture. And to me, right. that's what I cared more about is who gets to own that?
0: Who gets to own, who makes the decision? So, Auburn who was making decision?
1: these decisions. Well, we all kind of made it, but I wanted to make it. I have very strong feelings. I don't have, I always well, no. said internally, I don't have soft feelings. Like, I want to make the decisions because I, mean, I think I had pretty good theory of the case and I wanted to test it. If I'm right. wrong, we'll find out if I'm wrong. I think we'll be right, but if we're wrong, I'd, I'd rather get out there and stay on that edge and try to test it because I, I will forever believe that, we, that those of us like you, like me, that we're journalists that have some business instinct. We have a better chance of helping these media companies Thrive because we can get journalists to think differently about how they go about their job. So I think you and I have a responsibility if we have that if we have that inside of us to try to start these different companies and try to show that there's a path. So forward. I, I'm
0: going to end on the political yeah. thing. But you, so he had sole ownership. In our case, that was not the case. We made we made certain. We, Walt and I used to call them. And he's here, the Weasels. We didn't want the Weasels to be in charge, yeah. and so we always had 51 percent on the Weasels essentially. Yes. Um, and you had a sweet gig. Yes. Well, we just wouldn't do it without... You know, we understood that they would it's try good. to... At some point, they were going to... We were with the people from the Journal or someone like that, and they were, were someone who wanted to invest in us, and they wanted more, more control, and right. we said, at some time, you're going to fuck us, we just don't want to have you fuck us, right. so we're going to make sure you can't fuck us, and they sort of looked at us, and that was the end of that conversation. So why'd you leave? Um, why'd you leave? Because uh, they were going to fuck us. Um, <laughs> so. <Well>. Uh, <laughs> They uh, wouldn't give us money. They wouldn't give us what we didn't, They didn't do what we wanted to do, really, essentially. And we're we're toddlers. Well, then um, you so. should understand Exactly. Opinion. So but what did you want to do there if you had stayed? A, because you did build something there. Like, you did build an right. enormous brand. And to, we didn't leave it. We changed it to the same thing, essentially. But what, what did you want? What, what did you see? I don't even
1: think that there was never, like, for, there was lots written about when we departed. There wasn't that much tension. We were together for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Her, John Harris, who's a good friend and one of the co-founders, used to have a great uh, expression at the end. He's like, we've just all been. In the damn car too long together uh-huh. like at some point you just i want to try something else right. like, and, you, and i think that's a pretty healthy thing to do and the the pride almost left three years ago but the promise that i made was i'm never leaving i think the true mark of a successful company of a successful tenure is when you leave <laughs> can a company thrive in your absence so if right. you have a couple of founders leave and it crumbles you have like an interesting short story if it succeeds after you leave that's a triumph right. and politico's thriving is by every well single is. indicator yeah. it is thriving despite the fact that a couple of founders left and a couple of people left and to me that means we probably were onto something in terms of how do you build a culture how do you hire like everyone wants there to be some magical solution like the solution is do you have a pretty clear theory of the case and then can you hire really good people and for five years like when we, i never hired anyone until we started this and i probably screwed up 80 percent of them But when you have 500 people, and you probably got rid of 500 people, by the end, if you can get your success rate to 70, 80%, where you're getting people who are wired like you, who think like you, and who wanna go and kill it every day, well, now you've just doubled the number of people so, on your payroll that can, can so do So let's talk about do. what
0: you're doing now. Let, let me read you this quote. It, nope. This will be – can you describe it? Because it I don't even understand what it is. It looks. It feels very blobbish. I don't understand. It,
1: it feels very blobbish by yeah. design. Okay. And we have a very
0: clear theory well, of the case. Well, aren't you clever? That, so. yeah,
1: but when it's, not, it's not being clever. It's that, I, that we're going to launch in late January, and I'm in a hyper-competitive market. So the idea that I'm going to go out and lay out in precise detail what we're up to, I'm not going to do. I'm happy to talk about our theories, and I'm happy to talk about the okay. company. But fundamentally, the, the problem that needs to be solved now, unlike a decade ago, is that there's more good information at any point in humanity, but it's harder than ever to get to, even for really sophisticated readers like probably like the people in this room. And to me, those, the, the topic areas that cover all those people who care about serious news are media trends, meaning how are people consuming and disseminating information, politics, business, and technology, and all growth all new ideas are gonna come from the collision of those ideas, and so that, that's the topical area that we'll go after. Mm-hmm. The type of journalists that we hire are you. Like, if you didn't make so much money and you didn't <laughs> wanna not leave, like, you're, you're a one in a million, and I'm not saying that to suck up to you. You, Ben Smith, Dan Primack, who we just hired, Mike mm-hmm. Allen, I'm sorry, I can't train people. They were born, they are born from a certain genetic pool <clears throat> that gave you some ability to care, to care so much about your area of expertise that it's contagious, and so you get information, you get followers, you build an audience, and if I can get that, I could monetize the hell out of you. Oh, okay. I could monetize okay. the hell out of Dan Primack right. because he can attract a certain type of audience, so and I, that is addicted to his content. How is that
0: different? Because we're all trying that. We're yep. all, you know, Jessica Lesson's doing the information. We're trying it yep. at Recode. Um, let me read you this quote because I really, really, I wrote. This is the note I wrote to Peter. Kafka when he sent me the story from Vanity Fair today, my, my text to him is, what the fuck does this mean? Um, all
1: right. So could you please read it for I will everybody? read it I because really I literally it. don't understand it. It must
0: have been a good one. What will differentiate us is a very <laughs> unique twist on how we go about getting content and the platform Just we please. build to disseminate that content and how we go after a very specific audience with a level of precision. I, I, I don't know what you're saying. I, I don't know. Also, you can't Make say, it an Okay, but I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Besides the fact that you can't say very unique, just FYI. Um,
1: uh, I never said I'm an editor. Uh, I, know, I was a reporter, clearly. then I ran a I company. I got that. You needed I skipped editor. that stuff. Um,
0: but what does that mean? Like, I, I don't... What does that mean? Like, I, I kept reading, and I'm like, I still don't... I mean, are you going to... Are you going to do yeah. special news that you're going to send to people's neural networks? We're going what, to create is...
1: like a levitation machine, and we're going right. to float news uh, to you.
0: Right. So you what? Know, I... it's, there's only so many tricks we all have. There's, Let me just... Listen,
1: like, there's I no. Other, I don't think there's any, when, when it goes live, I don't think anyone's going to go, God, like any individual piece that we created a, a levitation machine. I think in totality, people say, this is very different than what I get out there. And it comes by how you think about the content, which is, I think, 95% of journalists I've met shouldn't work for us. They're not <laughs> right. And some of the people who are going to end up being journalists for us weren't journalists to begin with it's all about the expertise it's all about the following it's all about the passion then when it comes to
0: passionate journalists and then how
1: you then how you disseminate the information meaning if you look at the data the data the advertisers seeing the data we're seeing the data you're seeing is journalists are writing for journalists that is the biggest problem right now with media you're writing for we're writing for each other and we're writing for the awards committee we're not writing for the consumer people don't want these pieces that we're writing they're too damn long they don't have enough voice and they're not written in the way that they want to consume it in their ecosystem. Meaning if it's on a newsletter or if it's in Facebook, Snapchat, needs to be radically different. It doesn't need to be dumbed down. I think the mistake people are making is they're dumbing down content like as they news try to for millennials,
0: like that they need it in some way. But they're not... Way
1: they're not mentally retarded. They, they know how to, they, they, or they want to come and they want to, people want to consume information. If you go, sometimes I feel like when people write for millennials, they think they have to make it stupid and because they want to get as much traffic as humanly possible. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. There's a huge audience out there that wants smart content. They might want it in a different voice on Snapchat or on Facebook, but that doesn't mean that you have to dumb it down and do all the tricks for clicks that we do to try to generate a hell of a lot of traffic. And I think... The combination of how we go about the content, and then getting it to them with a hell of a lot more brevity, and I think we have. I think when you see it, you'll say, "Ah, oh, it's a pretty clever way of getting it to people in a brief, really consumable." way. You take way. out
0: every other word. What every know. other
1: word? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you it, exactly. No, be... there's an "and"
0: in here somewhere. Um, <laughs> but exactly. what, what do you mean by brevity? Is like short, smart, or it's hard I to think... be. It is hard not to dumb it down when you make it shorter. We we've been like we sit there and try to I figure out that, that <clears <clears <throat> puzzle all the that. time.
1: Go through the New York Times tomorrow, and you okay. you. Look at the paper, and you tell me how many of those stories should have been 800 words. How many of them should have been written in the first place, but how many of them are telling you, if you're interested in that thing, something in all 800 words that you did not know? Most of them, most of those pieces, they might tell you a new fact, a new thing you might want to be aware of that if you made that much more efficient for the reader, then they'd actually have time to spend reading the pieces that actually matter. Like right now, Listen, our minds are being reprogrammed. There's no debate about that. People are consuming less and less in smaller little bites. They're getting easily distracted. And we've not made it easier for people to get to the content they should be consuming. And I think by how we go about it with the people we hire and how we put it through our platform and how we work with both Facebook and Snapchat, I think that we've figured out a way to help solve this So problem.
0: Facebook and Snapchat are your principal vehicles you think? no I, you can't
1: look at it that way you have to they're, they're definitely big vehicles mm-hmm. i mean you'd be insane not for them to be vehicles but you have to look at that, that basically the media the hard part of media right now is that it's a bunch of different ecosystems like how like people in washington know what they want is they want it pushed out to them in newsletter form and they don't really want to have to leave their iphone to read it okay that's different than someone on Snapchat. So, one of the, the most eye opening experiences I've had of the last year is I've worked with Now This News on this thing called We the People right. for Snapchat. And I've been blown away that you can actually do really smart, engaging content in very short bursts of graphics and video and then let them go deeper if they want to go deeper. And the response to that has been eye opening to me. And I think that we can learn a lot from that, that one on Snapchat, which I think the Discover platform is. I just think is one of the best pieces of technology out there. Not necessarily used the way that I would use it if uh, the way publishers are using it because they're just trying to get a bunch of audience. But boy, is it an amazing user experience. And I think you're going to see a lot more user experience be adapted into Facebook. Uh, That's one of the things that we're going to work
0: on. So when you're talking about this news, do you yep. feel like it's when you're talking about smarter takes, mm-hmm. I, I generally get what you're saying. Is that yep. news-oriented? So you're not going to be doing these longer pieces, these think pieces, these...
1: It's not that you won't do longer pieces, but what I want to do, hopefully it will be successful for a year from now that most of the content I think you can read out of screen. But when we say go deeper or give you a nod that you should go read this and recode that you can trust us that, yes, you actually should have done that because we freed you up because we made everything else easier. Right. Again, like it's, I'm not inventing something here. Like no, Why did playbook been... work? Playbook work because people don't have a lot of time. They get up at 5 o'clock. They roll over. What do I need to know? Now I can go to the gym. I can take the kids to school. I'm not going to read anything else even though I have this stack of paper sitting next to me. It, it, it fits with how people are consuming information. So I don't... I don't think there's anything that you'll know, look at, you oh, know, my God, Like every single thing is 10 words or you read every other word. I think it's when you say something's a 1,000 words, it should be a 1,000 words. I am so often as a news consumer disappointed that why did I just read, I spent eight minutes on that story. and didn't learn anything new. Right. Whereas there might be an interesting stat or an interesting quote or an interesting new fact. Like Give it to me so I can then move on and spend the time on the content that I should spend it on.
0: So let's talk about the business plan for this. Yep. What is it?
1: I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any secret about, like, my views on, on right. how, you, how you engineer a it's successful media It's not fully subscription.
0: Company. I got that. I know there were some reports I think you ultimately that.
1: want to get to, to 50-50. You ultimately want to get to uh, half of your money coming from subscription revenue and half of it coming from everything else, which I would say is events, sponsorship, and, and advertising, and increasingly I think it's going to be – like a different type of native advertising that's that's shorter, easier to change on the fly, easier to measure. So, but you can't, I don't wanna just go into the market and start selling subscriptions, you have to build the brand. So Mm -hmm. we'll spend a couple of months that being 100% advertising based. And like we're lucky, we've gotten a nice response from advertisers, we'll come out of the gate with an impressive group of people who wanna have their ads on our site that will give us a very nice runway to be able to build out the brand so then we can go sell subscriptions, but when I talk about subscriptions, I'm not talking New York Times subscriptions, I'm talking really high-end subscriptions. I'm a huge believer that if you, can, if you can get a big audience of serious news consumers, you can cut off at the very top of those professional news consumers in each one of those categories, and as long as you deliver them information that they find essential to do their job, you can charge a lot of money for it. And they're actually grateful to pay for it because they need expertise. They want to better understand your world, my world. So a little like world.
0: political, uh, political Pro that you had, when you had those, ver- you had how many, well, 50? You had 50 or something and people Different. would buy across. Yeah, them. the
1: way Politico Pro worked was it, it was very, our publication is not gonna be j- just Washington based and it's not gonna be aimed at micro niches, but Politico is very successful at micro niches. Basically none of you, or maybe you probably, some of you got tech or maybe the media vertical, but like there was verticals for agriculture or cyber security that the only reason you'd ever read it is you do this professionally right. and you're happy to pay for the content because you need to be a hell of a lot smarter than your competitor on a pretty complicated issue that's not the model we have a, a much different model that'll be uh, that'll go well beyond Washington I'm not going to talk about it right here but but ideally within two to three years then you're at a fit you're at or you're approaching a 50 50 model I would not want to run a company that's just Advertising base that what just the hell What about
0: subscription? Out of when you look at something like the information or others, there's something. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I wouldn't mind running a just subscription business. I don't. I think to have the journalistic SWAT that that I want to have as <laughs> as a former journalist and as someone who cares about the country and cares about these complex issues, you have to have a free dimension. I think because it, it ends up building the brand, which actually makes it easier to sell subscriptions. If you don't have it, if you twist those things apart, it's harder. I would say if I'm just trying to raise as much revenue at the best margin so I can go get the highest valuation the next time I go back for cash, I'd probably just do a subscription business. But that's not I want to do both.
0: So speaking of going back for cash, you've raised close to ten million dollars. Yeah, Is that enough?
1: It's certainly enough to get us through eighteen months to two years that plus the advertising dollars that we know that we're gonna bring in. It's more than enough to get us through phase one while we decide what we want to do after that. It's possible that we could get to profitability even quicker, the early indicators I, I find pretty uh, encouraging. But then it also, de- it depends that once you get, listen, these things are hard. Like once you yeah. get it outgoing, you wanna like, then you're gonna take a deep breath after six to eight months and say, okay, what's working best? Let's go heavier here, lighter there. And at that point you decide you need to take on more capital, but I'm not, Again, it's not all about me. There's other founders. Like if it we're just left to my devices, I just want to build a company that I'd want to run for the rest of my life. I don't want to do anything else. I love journalism. I love the media business. It's a tough business, but I love the hell out of it. But. I also want to figure out, like, what our employees want? What do the other founders want? We want to make sure that we're we're creating value. One of the things that we are doing that I think is very attractive to, to talent is we're saying everybody's an owner. I think ownership, especially on the business side, but even with some on the editorial side, it just creates an extra layer of pop, man. You just care. You have, like, ownership. You have real skin in the game. And I think, again, when you're thinking about how do you engineer a culture to be able to do what we want to do in media, like, every little bit helps
0: does, does that have to be going forward i think about this a lot I, you know I, jessica coined a term that i despise although it's an interesting term called reportrepreneur. um but i get it i get the concept is that you have to be entrepreneurial as unless you are say the washington post and you have a big owner like jeff bezos yep. um, and they're being very entrepreneurial there actually Fair. lately of late they really are um, do you have to be any more in media, like, or is it just is it going to be a series of these smaller companies? Um, I, I just when you look around at the at the media landscape, one of your options is eventually to sell it or Correct. to get bigger or whatever. How do you look at where we are at this moment? I mean,
1: I'm going to say this with a caveat that who the hell knows uh, the industry when I, we did Politico a decade ago. I said it blew up. It'll never be this disrupted again. Like it's like a shit show and it has been for the last decade. I don't know what the next 10 years look like but if I had to give you my theory right now is that it gets pulled in two different directions that there's going to be massive amounts of consolidation as the big players your Comcast, NBC's, your Disney's, your Axel Springers, your Fox, your Verizon's, your Apple's, whoever else decides ultimately to get into the content game are going to everything that's successful, they're going to want to gobble up and accrue as big a consumer audience as humanly possible. And then on the other side, you're going to have things like Jessica's thing, like where, like Jessica Lesson, for most of you probably know her, but she runs the information and disclosure. I'm going to advise her to it. The, I love what she does. I love it because she has this passion. She has a passion for a specific audience. The audience then says, I so like your product that I'll pay for it. Like that's called a business. That's not a mirage. That is a real Business and I think a lot of those will pop up. It's hard to be in the middle, but the truth is, the last decade it's been hard to be in the middle. There's been companies, yours included, that end up getting gobbled up. And I don't know, was it a good business? Not a good business. I don't have never looked under the hood, but I know that places like Vox and places like NBC, they want to, they they see something that works, they see a personality that can can attract attention, then they want to they want to pull it in. And we'll never really know if it was a good business or not. A, a good business but I, I don't see how that trend changes because if I'm sitting there and I'm running a, a big cable TV or I'm running Verizon or even if I'm running you know I figure Apple or snapchat or Facebook somebody will get into the content game sooner rather than later because they're sitting on so much cash and so much audience and they'll hit a they'll hit a plateau on the, on the audience side like they're all' wanting to buy they're all gonna they're all gonna want to buy the, the companies that can they can do what you do
0: are you and, gonna want to sell at some point as the owner i don't know
1: i don't i mean I don't, we haven't even long i won't even i can't even tell you what we're doing so the uh but i don't know like ask me in a year like what i want to do right now is i want to build a successful company again left to my own device i would want to just run the damn thing for the rest of my life and keep building onto it and help it might ultimately, like, I want to do what you want to do. I want to help smart people get smarter, like people who really do care. This lax election, like, what's going on should scare all of us. And, and not necessarily just the end result, but the, the idea that everything is splintering. And it's not everyone's so hopped up now about fake news, fake news. Like, yes, that's a problem. But the much bigger problem when, is what Janine was talking about, where there's huge swaths of people. It's not, they're, they don't even believe real news. It's not that they, they're buying into fake news. They think you're full of it when you say, no, this is a verifiable fact. Prove it. Oh, here, I'm proving it. I don't believe you. And that's, that's, that's a huge problem. And so you and I, all of us, we can't make people care about information and news, as passionate as we might be that's about it. I can't point. make people care. But for those that do, we can make the experience of getting smarter, and what should be nirvana, this should be the, the golden age of us getting smarter faster because there's more good information, we can get it easily, we can do whatever we want with it, we can help solve that part of it. And that audience might only be 20% of the population, might be 30, we can argue all day how big it is, still pretty substantial.
0: All right, questions from the audience? <clears throat> questions? Johan? Hi, Jim. Uh, Hi. Johan Buya. I write about transportation at Recode. I actually used to work for you in New York. Um, uh, excellent. How much... Is it? Does it cost to subscribe to Axion?
1: There's not a there's not a subscription at this point, and we'll decide. You're not going to start with that, correct? We're not. No, no. We're starting. To be clear, we're starting with just advertising, sponsorship, events to begin with. But and eventually,
0: so, when you do roll that out, when we any do, ideas? it'll
1: be my guess is a lot. What, meaning, what,
2: are, what is the range?
1: I I'd be very surprised if I got super intrigued with a subscription that was less than ten thousand dollars. talking... Per person or per organization? And it's complicated. You end up, you either price it per organization or per seat. But ultimately, if we, assuming when we get into the business of the subscription side, I want really high-end information that's helps wow. big organizations, big companies, big associations, big groups make better decisions because they know more about what's happening with the trend lines in business technology, media consumption, and politics. And so... I don't know so what that number will at a be with corporate we'll audience.
0: Out. If it's ten thousand, unless and if it's not either
1: that or some really rich individuals. But yeah. the uh, wow, but that doesn't mean I don't. You'd therefore, you have to come and
0: massage me every night for that.
1: But the uh, <laughs> but
0: please don't uh, anyway. Right. Sorry.
1: that? But to be clear, that doesn't mean just like at Politico, like they, they had really high, we had really high subscription rates there. That doesn't mean you're still not producing journalism of consequence for a huge audience it just gives you another way to fund it like the, the thing that people never gave politico enough credit for was yes there was this healthcare care vertical that was super valuable to uh to a healthcare lobbyist or a healthcare association but when obamacare heated up there was nine reporters on staff who could write journalism yep. with amazing sophistication that was pumped out to the world and they still do that and that's that's an amazing public service. So I believe very powerfully in the public service of journalism. I just think we have to quit be delusional about what it takes to build a business around that and the way that you sustain and grow really good journalism is you attach it to a really good business.
0: Yeah. Question, <clears throat> back
2: there. Hi, thank you. Um, so in light of what you said about the election at the yeah. end, um, a lot of the story, a big part of the story since the result has been how the elites or the establishment got it wrong you wrote an op ed uh, for the journal uh, earlier this year where you yeah. rightly pointed out the uh, anger frustration uh, that you know a good chunk of America was feeling, um, and you said it required a third party to uh, you know disrupt Washington right. well, uh, Trump actually did that and, yeah. and sort of hijacked the part a party, one of our Long standing parties in the process. What do you think, just reflecting on what you wrote in April, uh, you missed or, or got wrong, and, and sort of why was Trump able to do what you said or suggested yeah. could only be done by a, a sort of an independent or a third party?
1: Yeah, and to be clear, like, well, I might have been prescient in saying the anchor was out there. I was in the category of completely floored by the election results. I would have probably made some pretty silly bets that everything I knew based on polling, data, turnout, organization, all the fundamentals of politics, which I always assumed mattered, I would have bet a lot of money that Trump was not going to win. So I missed it and I think what we got wrong, I don't think there's an easy explanation. I think people are really trying to make this simple. Like number one, it was a pretty complicated outcome. There was a bunch of different factors. There's no doubt there was a hidden vote. That there was people who just said, I'm never going to tell a pollster who I'm voting for, or they had a hard line, or they had never been touched by a pollster before, so they had no reason to contact them, who came out. But that was predominantly a dynamic that happened in the Rust Belt, happened in Pennsylvania through Wisconsin. So that was definitely a big piece of it. And we should have seen that coming, because there were, between yard signs and just the general anger, they hate us. I mean, I was just back in Oshkosh, I spent a lot of time there. They hate us, they hate me, and I, I'm Jimmy Van Eyre from Oshkosh, you should like me. They don't like me, they don't like media, they hate Washington, and so we really underestimated the double middle finger F you vote, and that was what so much of that was about. It just made people feel so good to be able to say the hell with all of you and the hell with Hillary Clinton. The other part that we really missed is that Hillary Clinton underperformed in ways that nobody expected, so in Wisconsin, Everybody's talking about all oh, this Trump phenomenon. Trump basically finished where Romney did. It was Hillary Clinton who finished fifteen percent below where Barack Obama did at his apex. And so It was her underperformance, coupled with his overperformance up there that made a huge difference. And on top of that, there's no doubt that there was a Comey factor in all of that and that you could see it in the Senate Republican polling that there were people that every time you talked about the emails, even though people didn't really understand what the email controversy is about, it just reminded them why they hate Hillary was like God, these Clintons are just icky, icky, icky. And like now, I see it again. And so that tur- that turned people who I think might have gone for her or might not have voted for him to go in at the end of the day and say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance. And uh, I I, oh, my family member, I won't. Uh, there is a family member I have who I talk to almost every day uh, uh, in Wisconsin who Dad. Who, uh, no, who also who, known as Dad. Every day, who and, and, and we talk politics and. And he didn't like Trump, was kind of a Kasich person, uh, pro-life, but like, could never vote for Hillary. Next day, calls and says, i got to confess to you. He goes, I voted for, I voted for Trump. And I'm like, i got to tell you why. And he said, listen, I prayed for two days. Harder about this than I have for anything other than my kids. And he goes, at the end of the day, I walked in there, and it came to me. I said to myself, the system better handles uh, crazy than it does corrupt. And I voted uh, for Trump. And then I went home for Thanksgiving, and I, you know what? I think Trump's ceiling's even higher. So I'll uh, out oh, my brother, my brother who doesn't vote, construction guy. All of a sudden, he's like, "I love Trump. I love Fox News." He goes because it's, and I think it's the combination of like the middle finger plus like the reality show dimension to it. And I think there's a whole bunch of people that could come out of the woodwork that sat out of politics that could get into it. And listen, like. I probably have the same views. I'm like, God, you can't say that. You can't do that. That most people would in in the city, but like, for a lot of people out there, like they don't care. They're so. This is the part where all of us in the cities sort have of got it wrong. Like we just try to jam. People try to jam their values down their throat. You can't. Not, not only can you not have questions about gay marriage. Like if you're if you're even wobbly on gay marriage, like there's just something wrong with you. And if you don't like illegal immigrants, you're just mean and patriotism isn't what it used to be and like they're just like quit scolding me, quit scolding me, quit scolding me boom, Trump, that's what you got
0: ah, there you have <laughs> alright then <laughs> on that note thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Remember to leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay. And be sure to check out our other podcasts. Every Monday, I host Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. On Thursdays, you can hear Recode Media, in which Peter Kafka interviews the smartest and most interesting people in the media world. And on Friday, I host Two Embarrassed Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge. You can find all these shows and more at Recode.net or wherever you listen to your podcasts.